We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, the Lakers just beat the Memphis Grizzlies, and they played pretty well for about three quarters, and were awful for uh, for one, which was the third quarter. But um, overall, they had a good, solid win against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are on the second night of a back to back. We'll get into a, a little bit about that game in the second segment uh, because it represents that first game after the All Star break. Any adjustments? Any new things the coaches needed to implement, that's the time when they would do it is over that all-star break. So uh, notice a couple things that we'll talk about in that second segment. But the big Lakers news of the day is that uh, Markeith Morris of the Detroit Pistons just got bought out. And Shams uh, Karania is reporting that he's planning on signing with the Lakers. Now, there's a caveat that in being bought out, he could be picked up on waivers, of which Houston is one team that would at least make some sense for them to kind of keep a, a wing away from a rival, a guy who can shoot and play some small ball five. He kind of fits what Houston does. But we're going to proceed as though the Lakers are signing him as Shams reported. Um, so yeah, with, with that news, Darius, the, the Lakers didn't get the, the playmaker that that we wanted in Darren Collison. They did not get the wing defender, but they are getting Markeith Morris. And I would argue that while it does not address one of our primary needs, it is still an upgrade that's worth noting. What are your initial thoughts on on this signing? I think I'm kind of where you are. One thing that Morris does do well, or he's done it well this year, sort of like his twin, Marcus Uh Morris, is he's he's really shot the ball well this Mm -hmm. year, almost 40% from three Mm -hmm. on not a small volume, really. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the tweets that came out, and I don't know if it was Shams that said this, um, 
but the Lakers sort of sold him on a backup power forward role Mm -hmm. with Kuzma getting more minutes probably at small forward than he has this season. I'm going to throw it back to you in a second because I'd love to hear your thoughts about Kuzma playing more on the wing or what opportunities might look like for him um, as a small forward versus as a power forward. But I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful it unlocks a little bit more of Kuzma on the ball in like pick and roll situations and takes away some of those possessions from some of the other guards who the Lakers have who aren't necessarily quality shot creators out of the pick and roll. What I'm really looking for from the Lakers with any addition was sort of just a redistribution of what possessions look like. Hmm. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So I just think that Rondo is a very ball dominant player. And one of the reasons that he's a ball dominant player is the Lakers actually don't have another player on the wing who is sort of a guy who could soak up possessions like that. Mm-hmm. Markeith Morris is not that guy. Um, I still have hopes that Kuzma could be like a secondary uh, shot creator type of player, especially out of the pick and roll, because he hasn't shown a lot of shake or wiggle in isolation. Yeah, what, one of the things about Kuz in those pick and rolls, he did this a lot with Dwight with some success throughout the season, is that he can hit them them little floaters and runners. Um, he hasn't been as good this year on those as previous seasons, but even then, he's I think last I looked, he was at like 0.97 points per possession on those, which is perfectly fine. Uh, he's normally actually you know, even way better than that. But he is a a scoring threat out of that that will hit the roll man at least. He's not really much of a skip passer out of those ball screens. But just that two-man game, that's not a shot, especially with momentum going toward the basket that Caruso hits, that Rondo hits. Avery Bradley can do that off of curls, but it's less off of uh, ball screen type of action. So it adds that additional wrinkle, like you said, that takes kind of some of those possessions out of the other guard's hands and puts it in the hands of somebody who can at least get a shot, a quality shot attempt up on those. Yeah. And I think that redistribution of possessions within the half court offense is important for this Lakers team, right? Like before the season started, you and I talked a fair amount about how the Lakers were going to really rely on their big men as being the shot creators because they didn't have a lot of guards who, well, who could do that, right? That sort of got thrown out the window some when DeMarcus Cousins was mm-hmm. injured and and the Lakers have reaped the benefits of a rejuvenated Dwight Howard. And so I'm not necessarily like crying over spilled milk that DeMarcus Cousins hasn't been able to play. That said... They did not replace sort of that shot creation skill that Cousins would have brought into the fold. And I think you and I both had some hopes for Kuzma this year to take a step forward offensively. And and that just hasn't happened for a variety of reasons. But one of the reasons that keeps popping up, at least on my timeline, and, and you can call it excuses or you can call it context. I think both really apply. But Kuzma's really been spoken about as sort of this rhythm player who mm-hmm. needs to get his hands on the ball a little bit more and needs to be put into the flow a little bit more. And I think one of the easy ways to do that is to give him, you know, two or three or five more ball handling possessions a game and 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 just let him hold the ball for a little bit, right? Because him standing in the corner doesn't necessarily activate him and he's not being rewarded on cuts in the Mm -hmm. same way that he has been in 
in the past, um, especially since while the Lakers are a fantastic transition team, they are not a great pace team. Right. Mm-hmm. And those two things are different. And I think Kuzma thrived in a high pace up and down environment. And the Lakers just aren't that anymore. And if you're going to try to get more out of Kuzma, and I think the Lakers are and they'll need to, I think this is one way to try. I, I'm not saying it's it's the best solution, but but I think it, it's it's something it's working with what you got. I'm somewhere between the whole like give him the ball and ball screen situations and uh, have him stand in the corner. Uh, they ran him off of some wide pin down screens, right, where he'd yeah. be in the corner and he'd he'd cut off of that. He'd either curl or pop out. Um, his three point shooting would be you know really helpful for him to to knock down some of those so he can curl more often. But just getting Kuzma the ball on the move, right? He was the the second screener, the last screener in their stagger sets, and was peeling off hard off of those of KCP or somebody else didn't get the ball in that situation. Those are the types of plays like, how can we get Kuz the ball on the move, not being stagnant, not standing in one position, but maybe not relying on his ball handling too much because he's not a great ball handler and decision maker out of the the, uh, pick and roll game. So I thought they did a nice job of that. Um, I'm really excited on the defensive end. That's the one place where he is a competent defender like he's okay he's not great i don't want to act like he's great but he's a lot better than anything else that he does all of the issues with physicality are are reduced at the three as opposed to the four um but i do want to get back to markeith morris right like yeah. the guy that that um talking about bringing in uh you know i'm still in crash course mode watching watching tape on him so but initial thoughts not not much of a defender on the offensive end he's He's on a shooting tier, like he's not as good of a shooter as Danny Green and KCP, despite what the percentages may say, but he's a better shooter than like Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo, the a lot of our other, even Kyle Kuzma, he's a better shooter than Kuz is. Um, he's not a guy who hesitates when he shoots. Right. And he's like, if, if he's got a sliver of space, he's going to knock that down. He's actually a pretty good bad shot maker, which I think we need a little bit more of if we get J.R. Smith as well. I'm curious to see if anything goes with that. Um, but just having a couple of guys who like, you know, five seconds left, we don't really have a shot. Like, let's see if I can step back and knock that down. One of the things that just in looking over his numbers and not necessarily examining the tape at this point, one of the things that stood out to me is his percentages on above the break threes. Mm-hmm. He's at like 39% above and that's really the break. High. That's really high above the break, yeah. That's a really good number. Compare that to Kuzma, who is shooting like 24 or 26% on above the break threes. And mm-hmm. think of the Lakers offense and where the ball, where where their big men shoot the most threes from, and a lot of them are trail threes, right? So LeBron and AD, especially in the open court, are really putting pressure on the rim. The defense is almost always sinking against the Lakers in open court opportunities, and that creates a lot of trail three-pointers for their stretch forwards, for Danny Green, for KCP, Mm -hmm. and the league as a whole, and so the Lakers aren't alone in this, but the league as a whole shoots about three times is like 75% of their three-pointers are typically from above the break because mm-hmm. teams teams are really, really clamping down on defending the corner three, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. And, and so if there's a 
quote unquote, market in efficiency. It's not necessarily on guys who can really knock down the corner three. Mm-hmm. That's clearly super important. And the Lakers have guys like that. And Kuz is a really good corner mm-hmm. three-point shooter. KCP is like that as well. And Danny Green can hit that shot too. But above the break is sort of way more hit and miss. And if you could get at a guy who's in that 38, 40% range and, and Morris is right there and he's taken 130 of those this season and he's hit 39 percent of them that that's that's a really good number and that's an area where i think he could really help the lakers specifically yeah the the thing i'm curious about is that he has not historically been this high level of a shooter he's having a career year at age 31 i think he is um and so is this is there a little bit of a cinderella component to this right where the clock's going to strike midnight at some point now he's a 34, 35% three point shooter, which is okay, but it's not like there's a, there's a marked difference between, you know, sure. that level and, and a guy who can hit 40% like he is. So, um, I, I'm curious to see. I think how guys shoot off of LeBron is a little different than how you'll shoot off of, you'll, you'll get your threes in Detroit. So, uh, a lot of it will come down if if he does in fact sign uh, to can he maintain that? But that ability to to hit shots above the break puts Kuz in a more natural spot. Morris is also a screener a lot of times in mm-hmm. Detroit sets, so he's going to be the guy that sets that down screen for Kuz. If say if they play in those same lineups with Kuz at the three, he's going to be setting that screen for Kuz. And if Kuz curls around, that's a great option for Kuz. And Morris popping out after setting that screen is a great option for Morris. So there's some like the pieces fit together. What I'm curious though is how that would impact the rest of the the minutes that would be distributed. Sure. So we're going to take a quick little break to talk about our sponsor Bet Online and we'll be right back. Now we're going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all of your latest news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part? When you sign up to receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use your promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the Laker Film Room podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So before the break, we were talking about the signing of Markeith Morris, uh, potentially, and kind of the domino effect, kind of focusing around Kyle Kuzma. Now, Kuz will still play, right? We're talking about Kuz being a a wing player. What I'm curious about is whose minutes does he take? What direction does this go in? Um, Kind of like, what do you want to see versus what do you think will happen? What do I want to see? I mean, Hmm. you know... yeah, yeah, I got to lay it you up wonder, for you, right? You yeah. wonder. Lob it off the backboard for you. No, no, no. I would <laughs> like to see. So so look, there are, what, there's 96 minutes between point guard and two shooting guard and another 48 minutes at small forward, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the most successful lineups the Lakers have had have been with Anthony Davis played at center, LeBron James playing at power forward. And then Kyle Kuzma playing at small forward or Danny Green playing at small forward, right? And, and, and so I'll be very interested in seeing if that slides people down mm-hmm. and if that impacts the guard minutes. Stop dancing around it, Darius. 
I'd like to see Alex Caruso play more. <laughs> and he's, he's played more the last couple of games. He has, and it's been great. It has. Watching him play. Imagine that. More. They play better. The, you know? So against the Grizzlies, he played 23 minutes. He closed mm-hmm. the game. He played mm-hmm. the final nine minutes and 15 seconds of the game. The game got tenuous there for a minute, although not quite really. Um, Mm -hmm. The Lakers seemed in control the whole time, even if they were frustratingly in control. Mm -hmm. And Caruso played 23 minutes and the Lakers were a tidy plus 23 in Mm. the 23 minutes that he played. It's amazing. Very similar to that Denver game. Denver game went the same way. Yeah, like I mean, look, Bro, they're playing him. They're playing him with LeBron and AD, right? So, like, yes. look, that's good for anybody's plus minus, right? No, Danny. I think Danny Green was like plus twenty as well. Yeah, and he was like he a plus plays basically. Yeah, and he plays like all of his minutes with LeBron and AD too. Like, congratulations, you could be sure. a positive player. But, but it makes sense. But like, the, their skill sets fit together, man. Like, yes, it, Alex Caruso putting on back pressure, which is like off of ball screens. How the Lakers defend ball screens is they want the guard to go over the top of the screen, and a lot of times they'll be in a drop coverage, meaning that AD or someone like that will be hanging back in the paint, AD, JaVale, Dwight. And the well, back pressure is exactly what it sounds like, right? Caruso is climbing up the back of that guard who's coming off of that. And he's kind of funneling him, right? Like he's not giving him space. His job is to like stay on his hip, not run into him, but just pressure him from behind, not allow him a clean pull-up jumper. You want to make the offensive player feel you and know that you're there without like creating so much contact that you're making the ref sort of say hey that's a little bit too much there that's right and and so his job is to funnel his guy right into to ad or one of our other shot blockers did that several times tonight had uh you know forced a turnover with, with ball denial setting great screens but I, while rondo's minutes are are very frustrating and vogel has said he wants to play a 10-man rotation so like Caruso, Caruso's minutes were fine. Like I'm fine with him playing 23, 24 minutes. That's appropriate. I'd be fine yeah. with even more, but I will take this, man. Like this is an upgrade over the last couple of games. He is playing in the mid twenties minutes. No, that's exactly right. Like three shifts, basically, right? That's right. And and as much of that time as possible with LeBron and AD. And the reason it works, aside from the defensive end, which is where we make a lot of our, our noise when those three are in the game, he's setting screens on, you know, cross screens for AD, just, you know, uh, understanding how like one action flows into the next, quick swing pass. It's just one of those wheel greaser type of guys that really makes the life easier for superstars. And so while Rondo is frustrating, I'd like to see Quinn Cook. If you want that 10th guy, give Quinn Cook a chance instead of Rondo. I don't expect it to happen. And I think it's the wrong decision, but I'm very happy with the root usage of Caruso over these last couple of games. What do you see when you see that trio? That that trio has just bonkers numbers, even compared to everybody else who, when they play with LeBron and AD, the lineups that have Caruso, LeBron and AD tend to play the best. No, I think that you basically hit the nail on the head there, and and I don't have a bunch to add. The way you were talking about him right now reminded me of the way that Phil Jackson used to talk about Luke Walton, specifically Mm -hmm. around the triangle offense. Mm -hmm. Like, he used to basically use Luke as sort of like the teacher's pet, right? And so, like, the whole class is halfway asleep, and (laughs) no one's really paying attention, and, you know, suddenly the teacher says calls out Luke Walton's name, right? And says, hey, what's the square root? And uh, and says some <laughs> crazy large ass number. Sure. 
and Luke would just be like, oh, well, this is what it sure. is, coach. Like, that, thanks for putting Cru- me in. That's true, but Caruso's is less like Luke's was mental, right? Like, Caruso's yeah. got motor, man. Like, he's got, he's, he plays hard. He's a good athlete. Like, it's, it's, it's wheel greasing, but in a different way. He had a follow dunk on, on a, a free, throw. free throw miss. <laughs> so, come on, man. So, look, like, no one's going to go harder for Alex Caruso than you and I. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you were on the bandwagon really early with him, like, when he first started playing in preseason. And while everyone was sort of like, oh, look at my accountant mm-hmm. getting buckets, you specifically, I remember in our early pods were like, this kid's intriguing. And mm-hmm. you and I were sort of like, Look at Lonzo Light out here mm-hmm. yeah, doing exactly. a bunch of the same things, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's three years later or however long it's been, and he's still that same dude. Like, he he plays hard. He makes the right basketball play. He competes on both ends. Good a- good athlete, man. And, like, I, that can't and be he's a, a good athlete. He's got good size. Mm-hmm. When, when you were talking about the stuff that they ask him to do defensively, like it's the size that matters too with him, right? And so he's like a 6'4", 6'5", guy, right? Uh-huh. That's what right. she said, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was uh, <laughs> giggling over here like a 13-year-old, as you said. No, sure, sure, sure. how size matters, Darius. Continue. Yeah, yeah, no. They're not a sponsor this week, so we're keeping them out. <laughs> They get no love in the pot. That's right. Um, right. When you're talking about being able to get over the top of of a screen, right? Like a little bit of extra being a 6'5 dude who who has some good shoulders on him can can sort of battle over the top a little bit more. And then when it's time to sort of contest or get on a guy's hip to bother him some, like it's just better to be a bigger basketball player. And like, this is why when you're saying, oh, we'll give Quinn Cook some of those minutes, like Quinn Cook is even smaller than Rondo. Now he competes harder defensively, more consistently, but at some point, like just being a bigger, more physical player is going to matter. And this is why too, it's like, and getting back to Morris a, a little bit, That's this it. is why I this think that it. he's going to matter as well, right? Like, oh, this is another 6'8", like 250-pound two, guy who isn't going to get knocked off his spot so easily by true power forwards. He can guard up a position in certain matchups, right? So if the Lakers are playing, I don't know, a team that's decided to go small mm-hmm. and has a power wing... Mm-hmm. right and maybe has another legit power forward and you have then lebron and anthony davis and markeith morris well look let's slot these guys appropriately maybe the best guy to put on the small ball big is lebron james or markeith mm-hmm. morris so that mm-hmm. anthony davis can guard the power wing player and That's right. All of this stuff in terms of working the margins, this is what that means in order to optimize your best players even more. And guys like this can help you do that. Now, is it going to work out exactly that way? Like, I don't know. Like, let's Mm -hmm. get 10, 15, 20 games of tape. Let's get a playoff series. Let's see where things go. But I'm intrigued by adding pieces 
like this should the Lakers actually get their hands on him. And, and so this goes across the roster. Like we just spent a long time going on and on about Alex Caruso, but it matters that you could slot him next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and he can play credible point guard defense. And then on the other side of the ball, he can handle the ball 20, 25% of the time. He can mm-hmm. initiate a set. He can also point You're also and say, more. Danny Green, go over screens. there. Right. You're running more. You're not, you're not running as many half court sets in the first place. He's making reads where he's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, put that fist in the air and then set that pin screen for the skip pass to the weak side. All the little things that keep it kind of moving in a yeah. way that it doesn't with Rondo. And that's why going back to Marquise, Morris, I actually think Markeith Morris could be the guy that replaces Rondo, as strange as that sounds, right? Like you slide Coos to the three, got KCP at the two, and Caruso at point. And you're talking just about a different style of play than you've played before. But I would argue that it's better, especially when you account for the defensive end of the court. And what has been one of the ongoing themes of when we lose to some of the better teams in the league? It's because we're small. We have a hard time matching up with the those like six, seven to six, nine type of guys mm-hmm. that are like these, you know, strong, you know, small forward, power forward hybrid types that like when we're running three guards of Rondo Caruso and KCP at the same time, it just, there's, there's rebounds. It, it, it makes us bigger in an area where we're actually very small. This team's obviously enormous up yeah. in the front court and, and amongst the bigs, especially, yeah. but there's this like gap, right? Uh, where we don't have many guys at that wing spot where if Morris comes into the rotation and pushes Rondo out, that slides three. Now it goes to the three. Now we've got some decent size there. Caruso's got decent size. Now that's more of a conventional type lineup that maybe we don't get our asses kicked quite as badly against those wings. No, I actually think this is one of the reasons why. And I love Jared Dudley, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually think that this is one of the reasons why he sort of fell out of the rotation earlier during the year, even when Kuzma wasn't necessarily healthy, and then mm-hmm. even when he came back and he was struggling, is Dudley's like a six 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 seven guy. His best position now is power forward. And when he was going up against these dudes who are six, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, and who are real NBA athletes, mm-hmm. and Dudley was never quite like a great NBA athlete. He, right. he like, but he was a good one. But and now, now he's that old. he's right. And yeah. but but now he's old. And he was getting physically sort of outgunned underneath the basket and on the perimeter. Yeah. And it was sort sort of like, okay, like all the intangibles that you're bringing, those are great. And we mm-hmm. love those. Like you're hitting threes at a high percentage. That's great. We love that. But when it came time to compete on the backboards or yeah. hold up in isolation against a power player, whether that's a power wing or an actual power forward, he was having some issues there. Sure. And it doesn't mean that he can't come in and help turn a game at some point when like the Lakers go small and he can play against like Damari Carroll, right? Or, sure, or sure. another sort of like athlete, but in high leverage situations against better athletes, he's not going to win that individual matchup often enough. And Mm -hmm. a guy like Morris will, right? Like, and he may not bring a lot of the intangibles, 
Like, he can compete at that. He may not win at those, but he can compete there. Mm -hmm. And he may not bring some of the intangibles that a guy like Dudley brings. But look, man, like, you and I both know in a key playoff game, things can turn on a three or four minute stretch especially in a stretch where LeBron James isn't on the floor. Mm -hmm. And you can lose a game because instead of being neutral or minus one or minus two, you're minus six or minus eight in that four-minute stretch. And in a playoff game against a top team, that could lose you a series. And I'm not saying that Morris is going to be the difference in all of that, but you incrementally build in certain ways and you slide different players into more ideal positions for them and you can win enough on the margins to make up some of those differences. And if I want to be like my most optimistic about Morris, I would lean in that direction and not necessarily say, oh, he's going to solve all of these problems. If anything, he might just help slot things a little bit better, which would be super useful for this team. That's exactly what it is, is that it's it's like slotting guys into more appropriate spots that kind of cover for existing weaknesses. The thing that those lineups that have Rondo, Caruso, and KCP in them is that none of those guys are strong for NBA players, right? Like they're not particularly strong guards. Uh, you know, Caruso is a guy who will stay in front of somebody, but if a uh, Russell Westbrook gets his shoulder into him or somebody else gets their shoulder into him, like he's, he's not going to be able to, to hold his ground, right? Um, Rondo is not a run and jump athlete along with being not particularly strong. And KCP is just not a guy who really battles physically down low, right? So all of those games, like the Celtics game where we're giving up a crap little offensive rebounds. Cause like, those guys are Danny Green, right? Who's not a run and jump type athlete, similar to J- Jared Dudley, who you brought up earlier. Like just having having guys that can hang on a basic strength and athleticism type of type of standpoint, like that has been such a problem for us. That is like two, three positions that, like you said, the slotting of it, even if Morris is just like okay at these things, just puts makes that second unit a lot more conventional. And I think they'll be able to thrive off that. Yeah, I think just let's see what Kuzman can do a little bit more at small forward. Let's see if like a Kuzma Morris AD front court can be something that's like useful for this team, right? Let's just see. Because when it comes right down to it, the Lakers are good, man. They're mm-hmm. 42 and 12, man. Mm-hmm. They're 30 games over 500. 30 games, mm-hmm. right? And to win the title, though, you don't win the title because you went 42 and 12 mm-hmm. during the regular season, right? Like you win the title because you were versatile enough to match up with a bunch of different types of teams and you were powerful enough in your strengths to overwhelm teams who deserve to be overwhelmed. And like, let's face it, like they overwhelmed the Grizzlies for Mm -hmm. most of this game. And they'll probably be able to do that against most any team you throw into the eighth seed. And even a team like Denver, we've seen the Lakers overwhelm a team like, like Denver as well. Mm-hmm. for long stretches of a lot of these regular season games that that they've played against them. So let's see, though, when it comes to playing like, oh, well, they're going to get Boston on Sunday. They're going to play Philly again. They're going to play the Bucks again. They're going to get the Clippers again eventually. Um, we'll see how much that game matters 
right? Mm-hmm. Since with like the reschedule and the timing of that. Right. But let's see them get more reps with, okay, just one more sort of dog type guy. And this is something that you've been talking about a lot over the past like month and a half or so. Get this team one or two more of those types of guys who are going to compete physically with other physical teams. And if the Lakers are going to get Morris and to me, like, okay, good. Like, that sounds fine, especially if they're not giving up anything, really, like what, DeMarcus Cousins? Mm-hmm. And everyone seems fine with that. They wouldn't be waving Cousins if things weren't good, if that wasn't going to pass the smell test like in the locker room. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the case. So, um, yeah, should be exciting. Hopefully, uh, fairly soon we'll get this, you know, squared away of what the final squad's going to look like. But, um, they're, they did not maximize their opportunities, but they are, they are very good and they're not that far away. So it should be a, a exciting close to the season. Um, we should be recording again Wednesday night, I think. So next pod should be out on Thursday. So until then. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant. 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know... Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?